I'm Dwayne Schultes, and on this Vital Health Podcast, I'm very pleased to be speaking with Debbie Hart, President and CEO of BioNJ. Under Debbie's leadership, BioNJ has become the trusted voice of life science industry in New Jersey. She was named by Governor Murphy as the new chair of the New Jersey Commission on Science, Innovation, and Technology. Debbie, it's great to see you. It's good to see you too, Dwayne. It's 20 degrees in the hall, I have it to is. say. It really is. I can attest to that. <laughs> and uh, Debbie's trooping it out here because she's really cold, but it's really great to see you. Thanks, oh, Debbie. That's great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Last year during bio, the equity markets, the lifeblood of the biotech sector had taken a big hit. What's happened in the last 12 months regarding the investment climate for your members in New Jersey? Well, I mean, you know, overall, the investment climate has been a challenge. Um, and, you know, the, the best science and the best entrepreneurs are still getting funded, but it's definitely, it's a harder road to hoe than it was a year ago, and companies are struggling. Are you seeing a pickup, or is it still significantly down? Well, it's definitely down, but again, some companies are being funded. We're hopeful that by the end of the year, things will have turned around, you know, quite a bit. Obviously, aside from the investment headwinds, we're starting to see some of the legislative packages that have been coming out of the U.S. Congress start to have teeth. And one of the big concerns now is around what was just passed before the midterm election, the Inflation Reduction Act. Essentially, you get four more years of revenue if you have a large molecule versus a small molecule. From your standpoint and from the member's standpoint, what are they saying about the Inflation Reduction Act generally and about this problem now where you have their products are being treated differently based on the molecule. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very concerning. Um, and we have been talking to our members a lot about it. We surveyed them recently. Um, and there's just tremendous concern just overall with the policy environment. I mean, just how the negative turn that it's taken in the last couple of years and the IRA specifically is sort of adding insult to injury and, and taking things to a whole new level in terms of, uh, you know, the impact that it's going to have on the industry. Companies that are in, uh, that are small molecule companies, they are that much more concerned than those that are large molecule, but overall the entire industry will be impacted. If we look at the politicians who have really been supporting the Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of them are the politicians who have a lot of biotech and biopharma in their state. How do you deal with that, given the fact that New Jersey is such a huge hub of the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, I mean, it's really just mind-blowing when you think about it. I mean, overall, for the entire industry, I mean, everyone comes in a patient, they go out a patient. Right. So it's really hard to believe that people aren't, you know, just focusing more um, personally and when they when they think about it. Um, and then to be, uh, you know, congressional representative from a state like New Jersey and to have them and others around the country supporting something like the IRA, I mean, Frankly, it's time to change the conversation. They just, in many cases, just really don't understand how the industry works and how it's incentivized and really what the effect of these different you know, negative policies will have. It's our job to be explaining that to them to hopefully turn the tables. Obviously, it was good politics for the midterms. Are they starting to have an understanding that maybe there is an actual cost what are the politicians saying to you when you speak to them? 
there are some who will listen and who understand and who get it and admit they understand and they get it. Um, and, you know, <laughs> not, not, always, um, not always the same. Not always the case, right, exactly. But, you know, people like you, or, you know, the study that you just reported out, you know, are really helping to change the conversation. And we're seeing, I mean, it's, it's real. It, it's actually yeah. happening already. Companies are saying that they're looking at their pipelines and that they're stopping certain programs and they're having trouble generating investment just based on the IRA and other potential policies. We've checked our numbers with the companies because we did an analysis drug by drug. And the general feeling is the companies are saying, well, you know, you can say that, but we can't because the impacts are quite large. And I completely understand this. They don't want to spook the markets. They don't want to spook their supporters. And it's not all the companies. It's a minority of the companies that are going to pay the heaviest price in the negotiations. It's 10, 20 drugs out of 100 that have a huge impact. What do you think will happen then next steps? Do you think that the companies will be able to adapt? What are you hearing? One of the things that really concerns me is that that was sort of the first shoe to drop. And the next shoe, what is that? So, you know, right, right. now it might be 10 or 20 companies, but if things like the smart... Smart uh, pricing exactly, act. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Things like that just open the doors and now the floodgates are open and what else will come, you know, as a result. Smart Act moves mm -hmm. the boundary from 9 to 13 down to 5. Mm -hmm. And we see yeah. enormous impacts. We've actually done an analysis of that, which will be released in Washington in partnership with WeWork for Health. And again, the numbers are terrible. <laughs> now, getting to the study we're releasing this week at Bio, we've looked at 92 products that we think are going to be impacted by the negotiation in the Inflation Reduction Act. And we see that a general 40% reduction in revenues on average $80 billion revenue reduction. Now, again, the Congress and patients say, well, that's great, good. But what they don't realize is that that's investment capital and it falls on just a few assets. So what do you see with an $80 billion reduction? What do you think will happen? Oh my gosh. Just <laughs> <laughs> nothing good. Right? It's, no, nothing good. Yeah. I, it's just really scary. I mean, you know, so at the end of the day, right, our companies, they are changing their pipelines already. They're revising their plans. They're not investing in certain areas. The ultimate outcome is that patients will not get the therapies and the cures that they need. So this will impact everyone um, at some point in some way. Roughly 25 cents out of every dollar in sales is converted into research and development revenue. And so we know we can calculate the impact. We know that roughly 39%, 40% of the cohort would not be developed if these revenue hits occur just based on standard metrics. Do you see particular therapeutic areas or particular types of assets that are going to be most under pressure, Debbie? Certainly rare disease. Sure. Um, oncology are you know, going to be particularly impacted. There are some of the the sickest patients, there are some of the greatest needs. You know, there are 8,000 rare diseases and most of them, the majority, do not have a therapy or a cure. That's one of the areas that needs more investment, not less. And the problem is when you look at the orphan drugs, we did a large study last year at Bio where we looked at the accelerated approval. 82% of all accelerated approvals are orphan oncology products. And what you find is if it's not an oncology product, let's say it's a small biomarker genetic orphan condition, Gaucher's disease, CAR-Ts for acute lymphoblastic leukemia. You're talking 400 patients a year. These are painfully small indications. And if you look at the available 
orphan drugs today, right now, for the indications that aren't treated, 80% of them are for less than one in one million, which means there's only 300 patients in the U.S., 330. Do you think that there's a realization that some of the rules in the IRA are going to impact specifically orphan drugs? Do you think that there's an understanding on the Hill? I was just going to say, I mean, there's an understanding, but, but what not, they're not do. on the Hill. <laughs> right? Well, not, on, not necessarily on the Hill. Yeah. And, yeah, well, and when they do, you know, sort of get the message or get the memo, um, and when they actually start to see the things, the decisions that are being made now and the way that that trickles down, uh, we can only hope that they will get the message and do something about it. Are your companies concerned specifically about orphans? Is this what you're hearing? Absolutely. Some of them, yeah. I mean, we have a large, um, you know, rare disease cohort of, of companies in New Jersey, um, lots of orphan drug work. It's an area of tremendous concern. And it's been the area, ironically, where we see the most NIH innovation coming from as well. There's a lot of grants from the NIH. You have a few universities. Are you speaking to the researchers as your members? Some universities are obviously part of... Part of BioNJ. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What are their opinions of this from the sort of upfront side where they're doing the research? Are they concerned? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, the whole thing just feels like an assault on the industry. And the industry goes from the very earliest stages, starting in the academic institutions through throughout to the uh, large and small companies. And yeah, I mean, it just feels like an assault. So one of the other aspects of the IRA, which is extremely problematic, is there is an exemption for the orphan drugs, but you're only allowed one indication. So if you want to add a second indication and you want to expand the label, all of a sudden you get trapped into the IRA. Do you think that there's potential to try and change some of the legislation, in fact, to try and get some of these provisions revised out of the bill, or do you think that it just needs to go away? Oh, I'd love to see it go away. But, you know, if it has to be incremental changes on a particular front, a particular policy angle, particular disease state, a particular population, then certainly that would be a better place to be and go than if, you know, literally just the IRA stays the way it is and then they add on additional assaults like the SMART Act. Yeah, yeah, I know. There was even talk of rejecting the IRA, sort of repealing it is part of the budget negotiation. Obviously, that pulled out. At least it's part of the discussion now. Do you see it gaining momentum? I'm hopeful that it will, but (laughs) yeah. yeah. I'm sort of, you know, discouraged to be completely candid. I'm not quite sure that things will change. It happens so fast, too, because it was a year ago, almost to the day, at Bio in San Diego, and then within two months, basically over August, over the recess, they managed to have something the first week of September, and they managed to push it through, and it caught everyone very flat-footed. Thus, the concerns around the Smart Pricing Act that something else... Could happen just as quickly. Yes, exactly. You know, and it's interesting because you say it happened quickly, and certainly this particular measure did, but this has been coming, right? Things like this have been coming for literally years. I mean, literally years. Well, it started with Secretary Azar under the Trump administration with the IPI, the International Pricing Initiative, which they announced at Brookings. That became HR3, Pelosi's bill, and it's just been sort of a snowball Unfortunately, it seems now there are real consequences. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the consequences will come quickly at the level at which perhaps some will take notice and will be willing to go out on a limb and and, uh, say, no, enough. We're not doing this. We're not letting this continue in this way. We're not adding insult to injury and adding on things like the Smart Pricing Act. 
So obviously, we've spent a lot of time talking about IRA. One of the other things that happened this year, which had somewhat of a different outcome at least, knocking, knocking wood, in January, a group of 25 senators led by Elizabeth Warren requested that Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra exercise what's called marching rights. Marching rights, if they were used, what would be the impact on your ecosystem here? Well, I mean, it would certainly depend on how broadly they were used. Um, but again, any anything that goes down the path is, in many cases, the first step to more bad, right. <laughs> bad news. I am afraid that you know, whatever the particular company was, whatever the particular uh, drug was, that patient population could be affected. The company would, you know, clearly be affected. And, and again, it's just a slippery slope for more to come. That's my biggest fear. The NIH rejected the petition from Senator Warren. Margin rights have never been exercised since the beginning of the Bidol yeah, Act. 23 and, petitions yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. And so, you know, hopefully it will continue. But everything just gets more and more concerning than the thing before it. Almost a year ago to the day, actually, the TRIPS waiver of the World Trade Organization was applied for the mRNA patents. In other words, the mRNA-based technology that was used specifically for the COVID vaccination has been allowed to be exploited internationally now under a waiver that was granted by the World Trade Organization. So now anybody can use the mRNA technology, the baseline technology, without needing to obtain a global license. What was the opinion of BioNJ about this decision, given you were given testimony on the Hill about it? You know, it can't be allowed to stand that concern that it might be expanded to other therapeutic areas. And that, again, that slippery slope that we keep talking about, is that down the road? We looked at the mRNA pipeline at the time that the World Trade Organization passed this waiver. We saw 135 clinical trials for 35 different indications using mRNA technology, not just for COVID, but also for oncology. Many people forget that mRNA was initially a cancer vector. It was designed as an anti-cancer agent. Do you see that there's going to be potentially a move away from mRNA as a platform? Do you see a state actor like China or Brazil suddenly trying to develop these things? I mean, that could certainly, certainly happen. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, with the testimony that I gave and many others gave um, in Washington recently, that there will be a rethinking of the policy and and it will not be expanded. Um, So hopefully that will help, you know, on on that front. But it is, um, again, very, very concerning. What was the reaction to the testimony on the Hill? It was well received. They were very cordial and appreciative. The report will be issued in the, in the coming months, and we're hopeful that, again, it will be sensitive to the concerns of the industry and the concern for patients. So if we look at everything that's been going on, we just had IRA, we've had the TRIPS waiver, now we've got SMART Act. If we meet 24 months from now, where do you think we're at? Yeah, it's, I'm afraid to even think about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, when does it stop? Yeah. When does it stop? There's just a tremendous sentiment out there, a negative view of the industry. Didn't the industry just save the world, literally, in the last couple of years? People never admitted that or they forgot that. It's concerning. I, you know, I'm just afraid it just gets goes down from here. Is the issue bipartisan? Do you see a difference between either side of the aisle? Or is this something that's popular both ways? No, I, I do think there's some partisanship there with regard to the, the industry and prices and innovation. Does the next election maybe 
cause a shift here or a move? It certainly could. Um, and I think that's, frankly, one of our greatest hopes. Yeah, but again, if it's Trump, we had IPI. We <laughs> a lot of this all started with Secretary Azar going back to October of 2018 and his speech at Brookings. So I, I will say this. We've had several conversations from Democrats and Republicans coming to us saying, hey, can you, can you brief us on this? Because we're getting concerned. People in the House and Senate who want some information, I think there's starting to be a realization, okay, there's a limit to how much we can do. If we look at what happened to Europe to the U.S., there's nothing to say it doesn't go U.S. to Shanghai. The Shanghai delegation here at BIO this year is huge. Are you seeing a lot of movement of U.S. assets to Asia? You know, certainly some. In New Jersey, we're, you know, we're really proud of the sector in New Jersey, and frankly, it's been growing. Jobs increased between 2015 and 2020 by 20%. We're definitely encouraged, but, you know, certainly there is, there is a certain amount of offshoring. The general East Coast area, Massachusetts, where we are now, will still be strong. It's just a question of how do we try and stop the boat from leaking, I guess, right mm -hmm. now. Let's say the House and the Senate flip in two years. Do you think that this can get fixed? You know, just really hopeful. Can't predict the future, but I think, you know, based on the fact that we're already seeing the trends yeah. and, the, and the, you know, companies are saying that the changes that they're making, as there will be fallout, hopefully the fallout will be quick and get results in terms of people changing their mind about the decisions that they made in 2022. Debbie Hart, President and CEO of Bio and J. Debbie, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Dwayne. My pleasure. The executive producer of the Vital Health Podcast is Dwayne Schultes. Our editor is Mark Brodeen. Our project manager is Gwen O'Laughlin. The Vital Health Podcast is a production of Vital Transformation, LLC, copyright 2023.